Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace your own financial, tax, legal or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and that guy is... John Pigeon. And hello again if you're watching on YouTube. Now today we're talking about all things tax, tax time, all that good stuff. And we've got the wonderful Scott Young from Altus Financial. G'day, Scott. How are you going? Good, boys. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for coming back. Now, I, I wanted to do this episode and release it at the start of June because there's no point doing a tax episode after the financial year in case you need to make some changes. So, let's get into it. But before we do, thank you to our show partner, SunSuper, for getting behind the podcast. SunSuper have been the fastest growing top 10 fund in the country by assets for the last three years as at the end of last year, 1.4 million members and 70 billion funds under management. So, not a one-trick pony. No, it's not. It's a lot of coin, isn't it? A lot of coin, isn't it? Yeah. Far out. It's huge. And they've just won Super Ratings Fund of the Year 2020. Mm. So, cleaning up awards everywhere. And we really couldn't do this podcast without Sun Super. We definitely don't want to tell people to blindly go into any type of product because that's not our bag. But we would say, if you are reviewing your Super... Throw them in the mix. Throw them in there. Sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. In today's episode, we answer all your tax time questions, including COVID-19 related items, study allowances, and that sick new exhaust for your WRS. So we have got a page full of questions from the Facebook group and from the email that I sent out asking people to reply with questions. We've uh, distilled them. We, I mean, thanks Jess Knaus. Uh, <laughs> and we've got the questions that we're going to ask Scott. Now, a couple of things before we get into this with Scott. Um, I've just moved all my accounts over to Altus Financial, uh, giving them a bit of a test run. Um, <laughs> they are going to be our preferred accounting practice. So, they're on a 30-day trial? 30-day trial. <laughs> Free trial. <laughs> Free trial. So, so I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of people ask us for accountants, uh, which is increasing and increasing, right? And because I was a financial advisor and I knew a lot of mortgage brokers and financial advisors, I didn't really know that many accountants. Mm. So, people just go, oh, I'm in Melbourne. Like, I need an accountant. I'm like, well, I can't help you. So, Scott, I want to now, anyone who asks for an accountant to me directly via our website in the Facebook group, we will put up the link so they can reach out to Altus Financial. You can help people anywhere in Australia. Correct. And you've bloody had to the last three months anyway. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, it's it's a new discussion about we don't have to be in the same room anymore. It's no, 2020, right. there's tech. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about 
your business, Altus? Yeah, look, Glenn, thanks. Um, I'm one of the owners of Altus, been there for about 15 years. Look, we've built the business um, from the bottom up, basically helping private individuals, private business owners and then private individuals. So um, we offer an integrated advice piece, which is also not just tax and accounting, but also wealth management and their affairs. And primarily, we look at it that we have private businesses and private individuals, and then we have a team looking after each of those client groups or those client families um, with all their affairs as they come up. Okay, so I can access a professional anywhere in Australia. It doesn't have to be right next to me to drive through and see them. I might see them once a year. I don't. My accountant, personally, I don't see him at all. Right. So tell me, if I'm in Bunbury or Broome or somewhere else, I can access your services, no problem at all, Zoom, phone, whatever we want to do. How much capacity have you got within your business? Yeah, look, good question, John. And absolutely, like there's many instances at the moment where there's clients regionally located, different states, even overseas, right, where we absolutely service and look after their needs um, digitally you know, through Teams or Zoom. Um, and, and and yes, that's been completely accelerated over the past sort of three months for mm. all of us. Um, we've got 70 competent, experienced people right, ready to help all these clients with their affairs as they come up. Let's get into the tax stuff. Lay the land. What's happening, Scott, out there in tax land? Yeah, look, good question. And I think um, this point in time um, where we started this is with a lot of clients in, in April, May, June, they do sit down and consider their, their affairs and whether they should, could do anything pre-30 June in light of that. Um, the, the main reason for that is the way the tax system works is there is a clear cutoff, right? So it's always, the, it's an opportunity to sit down, look at their earnings base, what have, what's occurred during the year, what investments have they sold or bought? Um, is there anything they should be considering before the end of the year? Um, that's probably the reason why people should plan. You know, it's probably no different to any other planning that they should do in their lives, which comes back to getting your affairs sorted and the information, having it quickly at hand, which we can talk about. Um, what's going on in the world at the moment? Look, I think across the board, the working from home has opened up another area for everyone. Um, and with all with complete honesty, I think there's also been, whether it be through reduced hours worked as a casual employee, um, permanent part-time, maybe a reduction in pay, okay, or a bonus not being earned, which I think you're probably going to see earnings reduced in this period of time, which could also mean different situations for these taxpayers in this coming year. Yeah, because the first one that springs to mind from a property perspective is we might have dropped a tax bracket. So we're 37 cents in the dollar. Now we're 32. There's that 5% that we can't claim back as, a, as running costs of, of our investment assets. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned June 30 and, and that date does stress a lot of people out, doesn't it? It's like, I've got to get this done by June 30. What is what are some items that that maybe don't that, that can be done retrospective? So we can change it July one or July two. So don't worry about that. Yeah, look, good question. Um, any physical payments, right, or, or, or expenditure that 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 you want a deduction for, you can't delay it being paid or incurred. Yeah. yeah? So the prime example is, is 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 if I've got self education expenses, right, like paying it post the period when it could have been incurred now or yeah. paid now, right? It's just an example. The way it looks at it, it's got to have been paid or incurred. Yeah. Um, equally, a lot of the planning is around 
into the back half of the year is, well, if I'm going to do something or consider something in July or August, right, would it be better for me to optimise that in June or May? Yeah. yeah? So an example could be um, I've got a, an investment property and I've got to pay 10 grand of interest over that financial year. Part of the tax planning is, well, I'm going to bring all that interest forward now and pay it in this financial year, but I'll get the benefit of the 12 months over the whole year. Yeah. Yep. And equally, like super, Glenn, you could probably talk about an example with super. If you yeah. Want Do you want me to? Yeah. <laughs> As a financial show. advisor. Yeah. Well, and that's it. So, like, basically, so many times, like, if you're a self-employed person out there and you want to put money to super, uh, I had this problem last year with clients. They, you can't mess around with the deadlines. So, that means you need to make sure, I would tell people, give yourself two weeks, make mm-hmm. the payment. Leave your account, clearinghouse through zero, my whatever you do, two weeks before 30th of June because I had people throwing 25 grand in at the last minute and they were a day late because of the clearinghouse processing. Yeah. yeah. And there is nothing that the super trustees can do. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And the, I suppose the big tip for the listeners is, is to book your appointments now and not try and get an appointment on the 26th of June because A, you probably won't get one and two, it's going to be too late it's to too change late. anything. Yeah. yeah. So, back to the current climate and I guess there's three, or there's four type of uh, questions we've got today. We've got some COVID specific questions, we've got some study and training questions and we've got some random tax questions and then just some tips for preparing for tax time. Mm-hmm. The ATO, they came out and basically said, hey, if you're working from home, well, you tell us what they was no, it no, 80, he, 80 cents per hour that's or correct. something like that. Yeah, y- you go. Well, yeah. I my view of that is they've just gone. We'll give everyone a bone. Um, claim eighty cents an hour. There you go. Feel good. Mm. Where my view would be, and I'd appreciate Scott's <laughs> advice on this for everyone. It's like, well, no. Actually, get a spreadsheet, get a calculator, and work out how many hours you're working home. Work out the percentage of floor space that you're using for your office desk and or whatever. And actually do it to the cent if you're that way inclined because you'll probably find the deduction will be more than the nominal yeah, 80 cents an hour. Yeah, yeah, and you're absolutely right. So, whenever they come out with a blanket rate per hour, it, like you said, it is sort of giving the dog a bone but also just accommodating those that, that basically don't want to go and do the hard work yeah. and, and maintain their records. So, it's sort of – it's not rewarding laziness but allowing for laziness yeah, yeah, to a certain right. extent, right? Yeah. So, if you want to – optimize the situation like you said a lot of it does rely upon keeping good records Mm. because if you go and look at your actual expenditure based on what's been incurred you could always sit back and go well the 80 cents is actually a better outcome for me exactly Mm. but if you don't have the records and keep them throughout the year right whether that be through an app or or keeping records of pdfs you don't you don't have the choice to optimize the situation yeah so education's power broad brush strokes are this working from home thing if you're renting a property and i'll try and be just loose for my example you're paying 500 dollars a week rent the second bedroom in your apartment you're using as the home office Mm -hmm. could you effectively say well the floor space of that home office makes up about 20 percent of the floor plan or the rent that i pay so work that 20 percent out and then work out how many hours you're working in that room and claim that amount of rent each week 
as a working from expense. It's an honesty policy, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> look, um, in most cases, no. Okay, right. um, the occupancy costs are usually considered very difficult to claim, right? right. Being being rent and mortgage, right? Um, unless it's a place place of business mm. or a place of work. So the right. prime example of that where it does work is if someone, if a hairdresser, okay, um, has the garage converted and actually has a separate entry and has customers enter. Well, what about has, a podcast studio? Podcast <laughs> studio. A similar hairdresser. Yeah. Um, then, then in those instances, yes. Um, there's been a lot of cases where the barrister who has a study inside their house or, or, or an argument that I'm working at my kitchen table for a certain period of time, the rent per se you should normally say is excluded, mm. but all your heating, lighting, cooling, um, your, your, your physical, you know, if you've got to buy a desk, um, if you've got a, internet a laptop, connection. internet connection. You can pro rider that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, so my example, it's solid if you're working from home and you're a self-employed Business person, owner. but yeah. not for the PAYG. No. Okay, no. sweet. Well, I've just learned something, haven't I? Yeah, and I, I thought that was the case, but I... I thought it was a square meterage implication as well, but it's not. It's just simply taking a portion of the electricity bill and saying, well, how does that that portion equate? There must be an equation there based on square meterage. On what type of costs? So I get a $300 electricity bill. Sorry, yeah, apportioning those costs on that basis, that's right. But the way they look at it is is they say there's usage costs and then there's occupancy costs. Right, yeah. the occupancy costs are sort of have a yeah. that's, have a separate tangent that yeah. says yeah. place of business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, sure. the usage costs absolutely you need to look at those mm. things. Okay, I think the other um, point to note that is important is if someone does claim their occupancy costs, like for example interest ownership costs, yeah, that does actually make a portion of their home taxable from capital a capital gains, gains tax yeah. perspective. Right, which normally, if you look at most people that own their home, um, one of the greatest tax um, rebates or credits that they're allowed yes. is that their home's never taxable. Yeah, yeah. So most people will normally try and avoid that. So and- without putting Glenn on the spot, or no, you, gonna, uh, <laughs> we've got a podcast studio here, which is a portion of Glenn's house. Correct. Right. So he claims the running costs of that, uh, or the running costs of the mortgage he's then liable for some capital gains when he sells it one day. Yeah, I've decided that I'm not going to allocate a portion of my rent as a deductible expense. Yeah, but but he will claim all his fit-out costs, all his, you know, all, all, all the equipment. Yeah. yeah, like the graffiti wall that we put up, that yeah. was a business expense That's and all that. Yeah, so I've, yeah. and I probably won't even claim the power. But being a business owner, if he claims the rent – then essentially that's going to have capital gains tax implications. Yeah, in in, in being the owner of the property, yeah. it would mean he's claiming interest. But mm. yes, if if he's claiming interest and deeming a square meterage, yeah. then in effect, if you went and said 20 square metres of my 100 square metre house is deductible mm. for business purposes, 20% or a fifth is is deemed to be taxable when they sell it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why when before I moved the studio here, I looked at, you know, double story to rent. Yeah. Downstairs, all studio, upstairs living. And then I could have just carved the rent in half. In half, But, okay. So, let's get on to some uh, questions. Kim asks, husband's an engineer. He's worked from home after hours on weekends. When COVID hit, he built an office in the shed. 
can we claim the cost of this build? He will use it ongoing. Yes, yeah, so this is this is one of the points that the ATO will say, that any fit-out costs specifically related to the desk or an office, you can absolutely claim. Now, there are rules in relation to, like, capital expenditure, which could mean it's deductible over a number of years. Yeah, so if it's a hundred grand fit out of this guy's home office, (laughs) like in his shed, yeah. But but in effect, yes. If there's an argument there that someone's saying, no, I I built this separately, separate area that's been spent for the specific worth of an office fit out, Mm. then yes. Now, that doesn't mean that, that Kim and her husband should be claiming interest on the property, no. but it means if they've gone and done a whole lot of um, bookshelves and, and, and desk space and absolutely, then there's a claim there. Yeah. So just to go one step further with that, let's say they borrowed 50 grand or, or in equity from the property, right? Is Are they then claiming the interest costs on that 50 grand? Most people wouldn't no. for the same point that it's probably yep. John back into... CGT. Yeah, CGT. Yep. And, and, and most people are always taking the view or definitely our view is don't make the family home taxable. Yeah. 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 Jared asks, what are the implications on this year's tax return for those withdrawing 10K from super due to the government scheme? Would it be possible to withdraw the 10 grand tax free, even if you didn't need to and put it straight back into super and receive 10 grand deduction on this year's tax return? Yeah, th- th- this is a good one. Oh, <laughs> the, hold this, my microphone. <laughs> Look, this this actually got um, people were onto this very quickly. Yeah. Day one, <laughs> day one, um, and the strategy technically, the way the rules play, d- does work. Mm. The problem is, and the ATO actually ran. I don't know if you guys saw it. A pretty good campaign here about um, yes. d- don't be like Matt. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but the weird thing is, so on this, like people in the Facebook group have been asking this question. And I've pretty much said the HOs warned against it. Now, the weird thing is they did, they warned against it in a almost like a social media marketing way. Correct. Not a here's a page on our website way. And I couldn't – I saw it on LinkedIn. Someone shared it. It was like a, a pinky color meme. Yes, Matt. Matt, so yeah, don't, don't, be, don't be like Matt. Don't be like Matt. <laughs> so, they've done a soft warning, but I think their hands are tied. No, they've then, they've then released – post that i they think the, the soft yeah guidance notes about the anti-avoidance rule basically saying it was intent yeah, yeah. that's right, right. so, so yeah. if someone withdraws deducts claims deduction they're saying well hang on your whole intent of doing what you did was purely driven for tax like there's no other reason why yeah. you'd pull the money out and then put it back in yeah yeah, yeah. so so that i thought their campaign what that they did was quite clever yeah. and quite good where it was Matt, I think Matt come up with this idea, don't be like Matt. Yeah. yeah. And, and the interesting thing is because there's a two-edged sword here, would it be possible to withdraw the 10 grand tax-free even if you didn't need to? So a couple of things, even if you didn't need to, one, do you meet the eligibility criteria anyway? Yeah, correct. Uh, and if you do, well, okay, do you need it to pay your food and rent? For six months. Yeah. yeah. Well, or if you got 30 grand saved and you just lost your job, well, you actually don't need to. Yeah. No. Or, or, don't or, do it. or you're pulling the money out from your long-term retirement to spend mm. on stuff today. Yeah. yeah. Where you should really be thinking, well, look, I, I, I get it that there could be needs if people have lost their jobs. Yeah. Right? It, it's got to fit the financial hardship test first yeah. and foremost. And then the second bit is actually claiming the deduction on as well. If they don't claim the deduction, then... It's, it, uh, it, it can maybe right. And I believe the, um, 
you would correct me if I'm wrong, Google Part 4A, ATO. <laughs> that, that's right. That, that's like Tax the avoidance. <laughs> yeah. So, there we go. Do you want to read Brianna's question? Yeah. So, Brianna says, what can you claim on, a, on tax as a full-time student with part-time job, especially now we've been forced into online study with no access to university, printing, Wi-Fi, facilities, etc.? Good question. Very common, isn't it now? Very good question. Um, I think the only point just to clarify that Brianna's raised is that there must be a nexus or a connection between her job and her study, yeah? So the most important point is if, if she's studying to be a nurse but working in the hospitality sector, right, there's no right. self-education expenses allowed in yeah. that way because it hasn't been incurred in relation to the income that no she's had. There's no yeah. correlation, yeah. 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 Then the correlation then absolutely there's a whole lot of so, – so if you're working um, three days a week in, in, in a, a, a legal or a solicitor's office and you're at – um, university studying law, then there's a whole lot of deductions there available in relation to your education, um, your computers, your your Wi-Fi, mm. your printing, all those types of things it would be deductible as a self-education. Yeah, so again, a bit of a double-edged one there. If, if Brianna can get a part-time job in the industry that she's training in, well, that's going to help her long-term, but also from a tax perspective. Yeah, that's – yeah, Correct. that's um, – I actually didn't think of it that way for people, you know, I'm a barista yeah. and – I work 25 hours a week as a barista, three days a week, mm. and then I'm studying law. No I can't, correlation. No correlation. Yeah. There's no correlation. And, wow. and look, that, that's quite common that- Yeah, I didn't know that. What, what people do is, well, because remember, in effect, the taxpayer is only paying, getting accessible on their earnings. So therefore, they should only get a deduction against- The earnings. The earnings. Yeah. Um, and there's quite clear points here that sort of says you can't be- um, employed as a nurse, studying to be a solicitor, and argue it's for future earnings. Mm. It, it's got to be directly related to the existing earnings. Yeah, and and I don't know. You'd probably have to assume that the part-time job's not going to be hundred grand a year, is it? So the deductions may be It'd pretty be nominal small anyway. It might that, be five or ten percent. And yeah. that, 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 that's a good point, John. And a lot of people do get caught up on that. They they seem to really focus on mm. deductions, deductions yeah. without a and and often there's there's blanket approaches of get half back, right? Yeah, um, that's sort of what is false. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. let's just camp there for two seconds. Let's assume. Uh, and we'll use $100 and we'll assume that somebody purchased a $100 item and their income is 30 grand a year or whatever. And it works out there on a 20% ta effective tax rate. Okay. What is the, how does it work when they, if their tax rates 20% and they're claiming something on tax and there will be people out there you don't know yet and you're about to find out that claiming something on tax, it doesn't mean you get the whole amount back. Yeah. That would mean the government are giving away money and that doesn't work unless you're in a COVID. socialist country <laughs> <laughs> or COVID. So, so, let's use that. How does it work? Yeah. So, so, I think great point because a lot of people go, well, I'm, I'm buying it because I get a tax deduction. <laughs> and you actually go, well, if, if, let's just assume they're paying 20%. Right, for argument's sake. Um, and just remember, I think that the tax-free threshold, I think now is about 20 grand. Right? 18.2 or something, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, 18.2. Yeah, so anyone below that 
doesn't need a deduction because yeah. they're not paying any tax. No. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So so they're spending money. It, they should never be spending the money with the sole purpose being to get a tax deduction. They should be keeping their money. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Um, then, Glenn, what it says is if someone's paying 20% and they spend $100, they're getting $20 back via reduced tax amount. Yes. They're still then losing the $80. Exactly. Yeah. So it's reduced their cost of purchase, but- if they didn't really need to the purchase, they still spent eighty grand, eighty dollars. They've so, still spent eighty dollars. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the we won't talk about it in depth today, but the the car thing is a common one, isn't it? I, I bought a brand new car, I can claim the running costs of it. Well, it's an um, emotional and, crutch, and, and, and the car goes down in value. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but 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 and look, there are there are campaigns out there in the marketplace that do drive upon this get a tax deduction piece, mm. you know, or mm. get half back, yeah. right? Which do which which you got to actually sit back and go that that's only true if someone's earning above $180,000 a year. 45 cents, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. But below that, they're paying tax at a much lower rate. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's an education thing, isn't it? I just people don't realize that that's actually the case. Yeah. They just think it's a blanket. Oh, I'll just claim that back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 often and then the question is, well, why didn't I get half back? Yeah. And mm. and they blame Guys like you, it's like, oh, my account's no good. I only got that back. I should have got X. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. Like how a lot of people go, are there accountants who specialize in police? Tax avoidance. Yeah, yeah that. Um, there's probably a couple. Um, I need an accountant who specializes in doctors or right? specializes in police. To a point, you needed an accountant who specializes in income tax. <laughs> because like just talk to that point. Is it... Yeah, maybe it's 20% of the actual discussion that they know about that industry. They know you can claim that yeah. leather police belt. I, th- I, think that, that, that's, I, I don't know. I think that's the point, right? Like, um, <laughs> uh, it, yeah. In, industries can have nuances inside them, mm. right? We, which, you know, whether it be um, travel-related expenditure or certain laundry deductions, but in general, um, the vast majority of, of taxpayers and a lot of your listeners at the moment mm. are probably pretty well educated. Like they understand yeah. their affairs, yeah. yeah? Like they're well-read, they share and talk to their colleagues, yeah. right? If someone at work's claiming a deduction for something, often he tells all these friends, yeah, right? Like, that's yeah. right, yeah, locker room talk. Yeah. And I think it, it's just a word of mouth thing to say, oh, I'm in the mines and I've, uh, I've got an accountant who's who's got me this yeah. return. So everyone else assumes, yeah, I'll get that return as well, right? It's um, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So whereas obviously his circumstances versus someone else's could be a lot different. Yeah. Right. Got mm. three investment properties and shares and everything else. And that's so. like you just want a competent accountant. Yeah. Who's had seasoned experience? Um, totally. Yeah. They, I think, the ones who specialize in police, for example, it's more because over the years they may have gone. We've had David, who's senior constable, then. Uh, Sophia, the junior constables, talked to David and said, oh, "I use this guy or gal." And then over time, they're like, "Well, we just do police because that's where mm. our work comes from." And then it's mm. the marketing pitch. So, Marina asks, "Is there any taxis for sole traders who lost over thirty percent of revenue and are on JobKeeper? Can they just pay less, or do they get any GST back or other taxes?" Yeah, look, good, good question. Um, I think the first thing is from the JobKeeper perspective, anyone on the JobKeeper now has probably already learnt or realised that it is actually taxable. So the employers are withholding from it. So that's probably not something that needs to be a huge issue for any of our listeners. Um, The only point to make is that if they were earning more money earlier 
and are now earning a lot less. They could be in a net refund situation, which could just mean there's nothing they can do today, but what they could do is get all their information together so that they could be submitting and lodging quite early to get this money back. Back to Marina's point about the GST. If there's a reduction in income, then in effect, there's an implied reduction in the GST that's being collected. So that should mean that it, they, they're getting the, the, the reduced payment now. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, in relation to as a sole trader, um, that does mean in Marina's case that, that no tax is being withheld by anyone. They're actually submitting it and paying it themselves. So there could be a situation where if, as Marina says, that someone was earning and paying tax at a higher rate, if the income has now dropped right down, um, Marina, you're right, there could be the ability to claim back some of the tax that you've already paid um, in this quarter, in yeah. June. But Marina, the other point just to note is even if you don't do that, if if the situation happens that you do overpay, when it comes time to lodging, you will get it back. Yeah. So just on that point, Scott, is it, and, and it's nearly June 30, so you, you wouldn't bother for this quarter, but in these times when, when the income and expenses has been adjusted in sometimes... Uh, larger cases, would you look at a pay-as-you-go variation? I, I, if someone has their affairs in order and seeking the right guidance and knows their numbers, which is important, yeah. absolutely. Because, John, I look at it, the, the cash is better in your hand yeah. than someone else's. Totally. So yeah. just quickly, a 30-second uh, description of a pay-as-you-go variation. Yep. What is it and, and how we yep. do it? So what you, what you do is you basically prepare a submission that says to the ATO, um, I need this to be adjusted because of a cer- certain circumstances. In a lot of cases, it could be um, a rental property, mm-hmm. right? That's negative geared. And that gives permission to have a lower amount of tax withheld. Cool. So we're, we're doing it so that we can get our money now and not when we lodge our tax return. That's correct. Yep. The, the key there would be don't go and spend that money because we, we're not 100% as to how the tax return is going to play out. Yeah. have it there as a buffer. And and, and that, that's a really good point too, John. In a lot of cases, people actually say to me, um, I like the idea, uh, it's a bit of a forced savings plan for them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that I've dealt with that they've got to the end of their hex repayment. And for them, they actually go, no, I want my employer to continue to withhold too much yeah. because it gives me a forced savings scheme. Now, now that just says that they haven't – they don't quite have the discipline themselves to do, put the money aside. Yeah. But but that's okay. That works for them. So they get a lump sum each year. Um, that's their form of savings. And that that's the way they like to budget or manage their affairs. Cool. Yeah. All right. So let's go into the space of study and training. Over to you, John. So Julia, this is a really good one. In, in February, she says, I paid my practical legal training fees up front. I currently work at the courts in a role that I do not need to be legally qualified for. This course is required in order to be able to practice law. I'm wondering if this link is close enough, question mark. Also, do I have to be have been working in the role before paying for the fees? I paid for the fees in February and started the role in March. So basically what she's asking is, can I claim this running cost? Yeah, look, um, good question. I'd probably be saying to Julia, um, Maybe check your dates. <laughs> so, so give me an example of that as to why the dates are important. Well, it's it's 
it's sort of back to the chat we said before that if if I'm um, going and and training to be a nurse or be a doctor, but I'm not yet earning income as a doctor, that's seen as too early. There's yeah. no linkage to it. Okay. If if I'm employed as a doctor and then I'm still you know, I'm working three days a week, but doing um, medical training on the other two days a week. There's a clear linkage to the income that's being earned. So, in in the ATO's world, we've got what is my intent, haven't we? Yeah. In general, so if Julia's intent was in February to go and work within the industry, she undertook this course. She started work in March. Does that suffice? Uh, no, the way. No. Uh, no. Well, that that's why I started by saying, Julia, maybe check your dates. <laughs> yeah, okay. So if it was the other way around. She's got a case. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Interesting. There's another question here, and I think it's a different marina. Shout out to all the marinas. Yeah. Totally. My partner is just about to pay for an upskilling online course, which will start in July. If we are paying up front for this course now, can we deduct the cost in this financial year even though the actual education will start next financial year? I think the answer is yes. Is that yes? Uh, look, yes, in most cases. Um, <laughs> there are, I know it sounds... Are you working for us or the ATO today, right? <laughs> what do you want me to say? Well, oh, they're just prepaying their expenses. Yeah, there are, but there are rules in relation to prepayments, oh, right, gosh. in certain cases. <laughs> can't win a trick with oh. a bloody ATO. Damn, they don't lose. <laughs> and what are, okay, so what are the rules? Look, if it's under a thousand, it's technically fine, right? right? If it, if if it's uh, if it's paid but all utilized within the year, that's all fine as well, right? Okay. But but just going and buying something in advance, oh, with it, no intent. Yeah. To... Now the other argument is there's a deduction for it. It's just saying maybe a portion of it should be this year and a portion's sure. next year. So it's not lost. It's just when it's deductible. Sure. Yeah. And is there a limit to such deduction? Uh, look, the prepayments. No, no, not not. Or any it, education expenses. No, the, no, there's no. no there, because it's not up to the ATO to decide whether you want to go uh, to Harvard, correct, or TAFE at West Gosford, or that's correct. North Gosford, whatever it is. And and that's no. that's exactly the case in relation to motor vehicle deductions, right? Yeah. It's not up to the ATO to say you can only drive. A yeah. 20 grand. The 20 Nasdaq. grand car, right? Yeah. Now, they do say we don't accept you getting deductions for a Ferrari because yeah. there's limits, limits on the cost price. Yeah. But the, um, absolutely, Glenn, like they, yeah. they don't dictate where you should do your education or to the marketplace basically saying how much you should pay. Right. right? Mm. So if we were just focusing on tax deductions here, we would maybe start something and then pay for it. In a, so we can maximise deductions. Would that be a fair call? The, the timing, yeah, and considering the timing is absolutely important. Yeah. Okay. Just a question. We'll move to some random ones. Jared asks, and it's a very interesting one that's come up a couple of times in the Facebook group. Is there a difference between making an after-tax concessional contribution to supervise BPay uh, up to the twenty-five k limit? or asking your employer to salary sacrifice the same amount from your pay. Now, I might just talk to this because I was going to do an express podcast and I might even just put this little segment up as an express podcast. So, we know that you can put 25 grand a year into superannuation concessionally taxed at 15%. We also know that part of that 25 grand is your 9.5% SG contribution. So, Practical example might mean, based on my salary, I get uh, 
10 grand a year or the nine and a half percent if it was 10 grand into my super fund and the super fund takes 15% tax out of that and it skips my bank account and you know my after-tax dollars normally. That means in that financial year, I've got up to 15 grand that I can put into super and claim 15% on that and lock it away for retirement yep. or I can take it home pay my ordinary tax on it, which could be 30%. Correct. And then spend it on a Harley Davidson. Correct. So, the question is, we know you've got to spare 15 grand in your life. Do you want to pay less or more tax on that money? I know what I want to pay, Mm. but it goes into your goals. Do you want to buy a property with it and all that? So, let's just assume that Jared's got an extra 15 grand a year spared that he wants to invest into super to get to the 25K cap. Awesome. So, we've arrived at that point. So, the government, I think it was what, last year or the year before, they changed the personal contribution. They did. I think, I think it was about, I think it was nearly two years ago, Glenn. But yes. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, time flies when you're having fun, even when you're not. Um, and basically, that means that Jared could live his life and two weeks before 30th of June, say, I can now transfer via BPAY 15 grand into my super fund, tick the box personal contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll have to make a declaration mm-hmm. to the super fund and or ATO. The super fund will do it on his behalf to say, yes, please take 15% tax off this 15 grand going into my super fund. And then on his tax return, there would be a deduction of $15,000. So, it kind of nets out that he only pays 15%. Now, the other way that he can do it is, well... I know I will have the 15 grand free at the end of the year. I'm just going to get my employer to take it out throughout the year. You know, 26 times if I'm paid fortnightly. Average it. So, there's no wash-up difference. The only difference is, one, you don't have to do a form at the end of the year. Two, you don't have to worry about the time-critical nature of making sure you put the money in. You don't have to remember. You don't have to remember. Mm. Three, I think it's an advantage to have your employer do it because you know it's going to get done and the money is being invested in the market throughout the year. Yeah. Another thing is 15 grand, 30 June. Oh, I might just, something's, I want to buy a new lounge. I'll, I'll spend five grand over there. So, I like it from a discipline point of view. Now, for an employee, I think it's just easier for your employer to do it. Okay. Self-employed, you can skin the cat a couple of different ways. So, you might say, look, I mean, it's kind of startup for the next couple of years. If I've got cash laying around 30 June, I'll make the call then, throw that into super and then claim it, okay? Or as a self-employed, you might go, well, if I just do it each fortnight, I don't notice it anyway. Like, and that's what I did myself. Oh, and that, that's always what I advocate. Right? Yeah. Like, like mm. trying to spread it out. The the lumpiness doesn't matter where you are in life. Mm. Like the, the lumpiness always hurts. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. more importantly, I think you you both said it that mm. if it is your goal and objective to to accelerate your savings for retirement, mm. then the habit of doing that frequently just means you've got a greater success of achieving it. Totally. And, and also just you said because it's it is, you get to that point and you go, Oh, 
do I really want to put the 15 or maybe I'll do something else? Whereas as you just said, if it went out, if it had already happened across the whole year, yeah. it doesn't become such a big decision. No, the only difference, so with the self-employed piece is you may not know what tax rate you have or what exactly. percentage you're paying through exactly. that year. So, But however, um, if for example, the tax rate's less, you can just the money that you've already allocated to the super fund as a self-employee, you can just leave it in as a personal contribution. Yeah. So it would be considered a non-concessional contribution. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's kind of beyond the scope of this question for Jared, yeah. but the long and the short, Jared says, is there a tax difference between the two methods? And the answer is no, right. it washes up the same. Uh, but if you're an employee and you know you've got the money spare, I think it's probably smoother and your life's easier just yeah. to let work do it. Yeah. Now, the only other thing, there's, a, there's another catch to that, a third dimension that we haven't talked about in my example. And that is, I said, no, there's 15 grand left over. So, at the end of June, put that in. Sometimes I've talked with clients around cash flowing it yourself into super each fortnight via BPay. And then at the end of the year, do the wash up and say, yeah, we did that much as a personal contribution. The advantage of doing it your own way, like pushing money to super, not getting your employee your employee to do it for you, is if your situation changed throughout the year, you can easily press stop on your own internet banking and not have to go through yeah. HR or payroll yeah, and it which could take can a be month. Clunky. Yeah. So I think if you're working for a small employer and they're pretty agile and fast and they can just change it for you. You might go, yeah, just take it out, salary sacrifice. If you're working for the biggest company in the world and payroll's a joke and it's a yep. nightmare and confusing, given it might be the case that, well, I'm just going to do a fortnightly BPAY payment myself and then I will just at the end of the year when I do my tax return, make sure we do the, the documents. Yeah, yeah okay. and just, just it just made me think of something too, Glenn. It's probably a little bit off topic, but it's worth just mentioning. There's a whole gamut of, and, and this is probably important for your listeners, of, of when, when businesses struggle, um, there's two things that they normally rightly or wrongly stop paying, mm. okay? Um, often the ATO. And in some cases, school fees, <laughs> school fees, <laughs> super, um, super. Yeah. So that's a good point to the listeners to making sure that they are checking. I know mm. it's really easy yeah, when, yeah. You, when you're young that you're not checking whether super contributions have been made. But let me tell you, the one thing they can never stop doing is paying wages <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. The, the employees notice that. Totally. totally. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Toby. Are you still required to complete a tax return if your taxable income for the financial year is zero in brackets or even negative due to working but having deductions? Now, look, the, the short answer is no. If, yeah. there, if there's no income, there's no return. Um, but look, the only point to say to Toby is that does also mean that there's no record of your deductions in, into a future period. Mm. Right? Or possibly losses. Yeah, that's it, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so the only way to keep a record of those is to actually submit a tax return with whatever the deductions are. Yeah. But, but in most cases, that taxpayer, if it's only a small amount of expenses, would probably not be bothering. Yeah, it's interesting that one because I work with a few athletes that don't pay tax. Now, that's legally they don't pay tax because they get government funding, deus income, et cetera. So they need to still submit the tax return, uh, but... To get the funding or... Yeah, well, just uh, 
just as a, I suppose, a paper trail. They still need to say, well, this is how much income's come into my life. Um, but from a deduction point of view, we're basically saying, no, there's, there, there can't be any there because we're not paying tax. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting to note for Toby, maybe, yes, so you don't have to do it for that financial year, but maybe when you're back working or you've got an income and you do next year's return, maybe just speak to the accountant and say, hey, do you want to throw one through for last year as well? Yeah, that's right. Just mm-hmm. so it's logged yep. uh, for completeness. Sarah asks, I'm currently studying my master's at uni and have two casual jobs at the university and recently started my own business. Woo, love that. I've been setting aside 30% of the income from my own business for tax However, I'm anticipating I'll earn under the 18200 threshold for my income tax in total for all three jobs. Will I still need to pay tax for my income under the ABN? Well, before you talk, Scott, I always use the analogy in the episode we talked about um, companies and different structures. Yep. It's like the funnel. Yeah. If you've got an ABN and three casual jobs, it's the one funnel all goes down to your tax File number, TFN. But if you've got a separate company, there'll be a funnel for the company income with its own TFN and a funnel for your own income with with your own TFN. But what does Sarah need to do in this situation? Yeah, look, and I'll just try and pull apart what what Sarah's saying. So, from from her two or three casual jobs, I think she's earning below the tax-free threshold. So, Tax could still be being withheld off that, but basically when Sarah does her tax return, she'll get all that tax back. Yeah. Now, Glenn, your your analogy's right. What 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 happens when it comes time to preparing the return is she'll have her income, let's just say it's fifteen thousand dollars from the casual jobs, right? Then if she's got um, ten thousand dollars from her own business, which she's saying she's already put aside. Thirty percent, so mm. three grand, which mm. is great. Well done, Sarah. You know mm. you're you're budgeting for that surprise. Um, then, in effect, that would mean that Sarah would have earned twenty five thousand dollars in total for that year. Now, based on that rate of earnings, I think Sarah, if she set aside three thousand dollars for the tax, um, she's probably going to get a pleasant surprise, right? So yes. Sarah, you will have to pay tax on your additional income above the 18, but I think it's going to be a lot lower mm. than a 30% rate across yeah. it. So it's forced savings, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I would say to Sarah, um, you know, until your business is really humming along, you might want to just drop that back to 20%, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, but then keep that habit up because it, it's all about the mm. habit and behavior. And then after you do your tax return, that money that you've got in your bank account, 20%, can you invest that back into the business? Mm. Don't just go and buy crap with it yeah. or, you know, or put it towards if you've got debt, pay that off or put it towards if you've got another goal. But if you go from day one, when I do my business, I'm putting 20% aside for tax. Yeah. And then when you get big enough, you've got to withhold GST. You might go, well, I've rejigged my own personal income. So, I'm putting basically 30% for my own personal income aside yeah. and then 10% for the GST. Um, I think it's just getting the habit nailed first. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And then you'll never have a problem with getting a, a bill from the tax office no. and throwing it down the toilet. Yeah. And the final question, Liz asks, what tips do you have that I can ma- manage all my receipts and finances ready for the accountant at tax times? Any apps, programs, methods you suggest? Oh, what about you guys first? Glenn? Yeah. So, Hello? I'm pretty, um, I'm a bit of a basic guy. Uh, so obviously my business, I am. 
I'm a regular Karen. Um, <laughs> Actually, now he's a client of yours. You might think yeah. differ. So non non demanding client. Remember, Joe. <laughs> I'm chill, aren't I? And I, I will say as well. Just when we talked about the um, the payments, the thing I like about Scott's and Altus's business, my accounting fee, I pay that monthly throughout the year. So I've cash flowed it. So I'm not getting a freaking ten grand bill. Yeah, that's handy. You can forecast it, lock yeah. it away, budget for it, set budget and forget, for it. And, um, and it rolls you over into the next year. Locks that's me in as yeah. a client. <laughs> 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 but I, I he like can that. forecast his spending. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, so for all the um, my family trust and um, the podcasting business, they have their own zero accounts. Mm-hmm. So if you're in business, we'll keep that aside. So anything I spend through the business, the bookkeeper catches that. But personal name, really simple for me. Um, I've got a, a Dropbox. You know, got tax 2020, 2019, whatever it is. Uh, in that, I just put all my receipts yeah. in the Dropbox. So, so, do you take a photo on your phone? Yeah, you, so yeah. on the Dropbox app, um, yeah. you can click scan document. Yeah. It's so good. Mm. And you just scan and it uploads to Dropbox as a PDF. Yeah. It's just really great. So, basically for like the investment properties and crap like that, um, in that tax folder, it might have the property name, Again, I'm just trying to be more lean and efficient. Any expenses for the property I send over to the real estate, they pay them out of their trust account. So, they do the record keeping there. So, for me personally, any um, charity or donations, uh, if I don't do it through my trust because it's otherwise tax deductible, doesn't matter where you pay it. If I do happen to pay it in my personal name and grab a receipt, I'll just put it in the Dropbox I've also and, and Glenn, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. do you have the habit that you just do it straight, straight there? Straight away, yeah, great, yeah. straight there and then yeah. filed and then th- totally, yep, yeah, perfect. So and because that's the thing, like you only do it once at the end of the year when you've got to prepare crap. Yeah. It's a nightmare. So yeah. I'm actually almost thinking as well, and I don't, I probably won't go to this level, but setting up a zero account for my personal banking. Yeah. So everything's tracked. Mm. What about you, John? Uh, yeah, a bit of a hybrid of what Glenn's got, I suppose. I use zero for the business. Yeah. Um, I like the trusty Excel spreadsheet for yeah. my personal. So look at the statement end of the month and run us Excel on that. Um, for properties, I just simply use the property management as their annual annual guide, but I still like to keep a running spreadsheet of that and same with shares. Um, with, with the business, I do the same thing. I've got an admin that just... And she just scans everything in yeah. and uh, and keeps a track of that. So yeah, look at whatever works for you, really, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's the key. But I think but a couple of the look and great um, examples. I do similar things, mm. and I think like putting aside unopened envelopes or just you know piles of receipts. We all know it becomes this massive task that we end up begrudgingly never get to, mm. yeah? Whereas if you could break it apart, like just take the photos on your phone each yeah. and every time, mm. it just comes a lot easier. Um, there are some apps out there, right? There's there's some pocketbook apps. There's obviously yeah. budget and planning tools. There's actually an, an ATO My Deductions um, app. Definitely not using that. And that was no. that I was about to say. <laughs> I don't think anyone's using that app. Are you sure he doesn't work for the ATL? Oh, well, I'll ask skeptical. questions after this hour. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I don't have anyone using that app. Zero mm. um, that you did mention, they actually released probably about six, seven, eight years ago a personal Zero file. Yeah, did but they? it flopped. Then that flopped. Ah, yeah. right. 
Yeah. And it's no longer available. So if they yeah. made it affordable, I think they'd get some business out well, of it. Well, I, I think so just I think it's all about in your life streamlining it so it's habit, it's easy, and you do it at the time. Yeah. Um and I would say to you, why like I'm just my like my shares I don't have in my personal name, they're in the family trust because at least it gets tracked and I don't have to worry about it. Mm. So well, I just like the knowledge of it. It's more I, I'm tracking everything monthly because of I, I just have an understanding of what's happening. Yeah, I guess I'm more focusing on at the end of the year for the accounting autopsy. Yeah. I want everything done, and at least if it goes through um, the trust and not my personal name, my shares. Yeah, and that's why I use the investment bonds for other investments because it doesn't even go on the tax return. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, you just have to make it easy and whatever works for you. There's no system. No. And I've just put uh, together uh, a heap of listeners. We've put together a working group for the Glen James spending plan and we're going to turn that into some type of web-based app. Because what I would probably think is if you put an expense in, just have a tick box deductible. So, at the end of the year, you can just print everything that's been ticked. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, set awesome. it up so it's easy. And even to like to keep me really accountable. So, my PayPal, because I buy stuff for the business through PayPal, so the business uh, visa debit is connected to PayPal, not my personal stuff. I've told the bookkeeper because he's on my back all the time. It's like, oh, you haven't got the receipt for this $19.50 thing. I said to him, all right, just to make, there's a new rule. If you don't have receipts in the tax folder for the business and it's the transaction says PayPal and it's under $100, draw it out as my own personal income and I won't claim it. So, what that does for me, it makes me claim it. get yeah. into my email and p- upload the receipt so yeah. he knows what it is. Yeah, so, yeah. we've got that rule. Yeah, great. So, you've just got to work out whatever works. So, yeah. real. But, but, but more important, like you said, there's, there's tools out there that make it seamless and easy to be mm. organized throughout the year. Yeah. And if you're it's on Google, good. Google Sheets, it's free. Yeah, yeah it is good. Well, Scott Young from Altus, thank you so much thank you, for Scott. answering our questions. And if you do want to look for an accountant to help you, there's a link in the show notes. Jump on, fill out your details. You'll go through to the team at Altus and they'll be in contact uh, within one business day. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. <laughs> if, if not quicker. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, so, Scott. Thanks, Scott. guys. See Thanks you guys for having soon. Me. Bye. Bye. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. This podcast supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you want some other giving options, or if you are unsure about which charity you can support, head to the lifeyoucansave.org.au If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash m3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. 
Thanks to Jess Knaus, producer, Nathan Robertson, editor, and me, Asher. Anyway, make sure you're connected via Instagram and our free Facebook group. We also film most of our content now, so check out My Millennial Money on YouTube. Yeah, cool. So, there's no better test than a test, a real-life test. And for me, like... I'm not in accounting and all the ASIC stuff. It just stresses me out. And for a couple of years, the addresses on my affairs were different and other addresses and it was stressing me out. And I'd get late fees because I was going to the wrong place. And it was really stressing me out because I have multiple entities and just I'll be the first to say I'm not on top of it. And I needed someone to help. Mm. So I'm like, look, I, so I sat down one day. I'm like, I got, I did a spreadsheet because I'm like, I'll send Scott a spreadsheet of every entity, every ABN, every ACN, uh, my personal, like everything on one consolidated spreadsheet. Yep. Been meaning to do this for 10 years. So yep. Scott, go and do it. Yeah. No, I thought, no, I'll change the address. I need to get all the details. Oh, so you're actually so going to. I was like, I log into ASIC, change the address, could not get into the ASIC <laughs> portal to change anything myself. Mm. It was stressing me out. And I got a phone call from someone I used to rent an office from and they're like, oh, we just got some mail for you. You haven't been here for two years. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is stressing me out. So I said, Scott, I just need you to do this for me, your team. And so I got an email back with kid you not, 15 PDF attachments that I had to sign to change everything around. Yeah. And the and this was the test. All that to say, this was the test. I said, if this is not pre-filled with my bloody name and my address and all the company details that I've gave this company, no deal because <laughs> that's bloody lazy. I just, as a customer... Mm. Told you I was going to be a good customer. <laughs> High yeah. standards. I think it was an easy customer, you told me. Yes, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> no, but it's like as the customer, it's always got to be least path of resistance. Yeah. If you're a professional service and you've got my name, my date of birth, my address, mm. my colonoscopy results, like you've got everything about me. Yeah. If you send me something to sign, you bloody better make sure I don't have to write my name. Well, it, it goes both ways, doesn't it? It just means that they're going to get it back quicker because you can just quickly sign and yep. send it back as opposed to, oh, I'll do it later because it looks yep. too busy for me. Yeah. Because how many times have you been sent stuff from a company like, oh, just fill out this form, we'll get it rolling for you. Yeah. Like, I'm paying you to do the job. Yeah. Why am I writing details that you've got? Yeah, I'm in the middle of doing that at the moment and I've put it off. Yeah. So, all that to say, I've started to tell Scott about this. But I thought, no, I'll use it as an example on the podcast. Mm. So, you passed, your team passed that test. Thanks, Glenn. And I'll let them that, know. Let them, let them know because <laughs> it just, when I got that email and saw that they pre-filled it all, there was 15 PDF documents, the amount of weight that lifted off my life to know that, Oh, it's going to be okay. They can do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that Altus might be thinking different about keeping you on board. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Yeah. It was a one year agreement <laughs> for your purpose. Wasn't it? <laughs> okay. So. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market